0: I want to turn to God's Word in the section that I've been given to to look at through our studies in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, through to chapter 3 and verse 24. It's a long section, but yet really encouraging, encouraging for us to read God's Word together. It says, And now, dear children, continue in him. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. This is God's word for us uh, this morning. Spring is a lovely time of the year. It's a time whenever we see all the signs of new life springing up all around us, whether it's the buds or whether it's the new spring lambs or, or whatever it is. It all signifies new life. Something special is starting At this point in John's letter, he wants us to focus on the new birth, being born of God. John Stott in his commentary points out, but now there comes to the fore that birth from God, which alone makes it possible for men to know God and abide in him. Such a spiritual birth is due to a divine begetting, which is the imparting of the life of God. This new life that we have is the imparting of God by his spirit, his life to us. And John is pointing out that being born of God will result in life change, new birth, new life. But as he deals with it in this section, it comes at the very start, he refers to Christ's return or Christ's appearing. And that's his second appearing, his first appearing was whenever he came in Palestine in the first century. But he's speaking about his second appearing here. And he says, as we have been born of God, the call for us is now to abide in Christ, to remain in him. John wants his readers to be able to face Jesus that day whenever he returns with confidence and assurance, assured that they know Jesus and that they've been following him all their lives. Because the opposite of that is to shrink back from him in shame because we have not worked out our love for him. John compares these two responses because he's speaking about new life, being born of God. He says we will either face Jesus with confidence because of that new birth that God has given to us or shame at what should or could have been in our lives because that has been refused. And so John is trying to help us to have an assurance that we can be confident whenever Jesus returns. And I suppose in this section, he gives us three tests. Well, the first one's not really a test because it's really just believing what God has done in our lives, but, but let's, let's call it a test. It's the abiding in Christ test. It's not easy being a, a sports fan, being a, a fan of a particular football team or maybe a, a rugby team, or maybe even a particular person in golf or tennis or some other sport, because very often it's so much up and down. And sometimes it's hard to continue to support our team or the person whenever things are not going so well. But We've got to keep that support going. John, as he writes this letter, wants his readers and us to realize God's love for us and his acceptance of us. God has lavished his love upon us. And he's demonstrated that fact in what he has done in Jesus Christ. And we are called to remain in him, to stay close to him, even whenever it gets difficult, even whenever it's hard. Because God has lavished his love on us, we are able to call ourselves children of God. He has given us the authority to do that. John says that's exactly who we are. And when Jesus appears, we will be like him. We will reveal his purity. Therefore, everyone who hopes in Jesus will purify himself now, is John's point. Remaining in him. Michael Wiley, whenever he was speaking a few weeks back, mentioned this TV series that he happened to be watching, um, which... I have actually started to watch too and found it really good in This Is Us, which Michael, well, watch was, was saying he was watching. In This Is Us, Jack, one of the characters, has been speaking to his friend about his friend's uh, marriage breakup and Jack's asking him, well, what happened? I mean, Jack gets quite annoyed about the fact that, that this breakup has happened and He says, Well, what what happened? And his friend says to him, Every morning for the past number of years, since we started our married life, I have woken up early and I've made coffee for myself and for my wife. One morning, I woke up and I made coffee as usual, and I didn't make it for my wife, and she didn't notice. In fact, our married life, he says, our marriage breakdown has happened because we stopped noticing. We stopped noticing. As I thought about that, as the words were out of the character's mouth, I just started thinking about a relationship with God. Any relationship that we're involved in, Stopping noticing is a problem. Our calling from God is to abide in Christ, to remain in Him, and He will remain in us. This is about noticing who God is and noticing what He has done and is continuing to do in our lives. Failing to notice, taking God for granted, can ruin our relationship with Him, as it does in any other relationship failing to notice can ruin that relationship our relationship and communication with God has been won for us by Jesus in the lavish display of his love he noticed us and he continues to notice us, he continues to love us and we can respond to him by noticing and loving him How do we notice? How do we abide in Christ? David Jackman, in his commentary, makes this point. He says, we spend a lot of time talking about our experience of living the Christian life, but not so much dwelling on the character of God, the person of Christ, his atoning death, his resurrection life, the person and activity of the Holy Spirit, And then our human sinfulness. The grace of God and salvation. The process of becoming like Jesus. And the hope of glory. Noticing those things. Dwelling on these things. Helps us to abide in Christ. And helps our faith to grow in leaps and bounds. John has a lovely phrase At the end of chapter 2 in verse 27, whenever he speaks about the anointing, let the anointing which you have received teach you to abide. This anointing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as you meditate on the Word of God, you will be taught to remain in Christ. As you think about some of those things that David Jackman in his commentary has mentioned about the person of Christ, about his atoning sacrifice, about who God is. The bread and the wine that we use are symbols of the love that God has lavished on us. They remind us of what he has done, of his sacrifice, and also that he has allowed us to call ourselves his children through faith. For that is what we are. Doesn't that inspire you to want to continue in Him, to keep noticing, not taking for granted? Second test that He gives to us is the lifestyle test. Another film, Uh, I think. I think it's two thousand and two. I'm not sure it was two thousand and two. Catch me if you can is a film based on the, a character called Frank Abagnale Jr., played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He, uh, DiCaprio plays the, this character, Frank Abagnale, who was an expert at living a double life, pretending to be something that he actually wasn't. He poses as an airline pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer. He forges checks to live the life that he wants to live. And he seems to get away with it for a period of time. But there was always that fear of being found out and the pretense eventually catches up with him and he is punished by the law. John wants to test us on our lives and whether our knowledge of God and our relationship with him is matched in our lives. He says those who are born of God this new birth, stop sinning. Now, I kind of maybe struggled a bit with that, thinking, does that mean I have to be perfect? Because uh, that certainly ain't going to happen. I don't think that's what he's saying here. Because none of us as human beings can be perfect. We desire to be like Jesus, and that's the desire he gives us. We want to be perfect. We want to do what he wants. We want to live righteously in the way that he calls us to. And yet, and that's why we're to stop sinning. The Bible reminds us that we are born in sin and that we commit acts of sin, disobedience to God's revealed word. The root of this sin is that we put ourselves first in everything. It's all about me. Sinning then in one way relates to an attitude which refuses to see myself as God sees me. In need of his grace as a sinner. Sinning also relates to moral behavior which I suppose calls me to, causes me to live for myself contrary to the way that God has revealed that I should be living as to what is right. But it's important here because that we desire to be like Jesus. No, we're not going to be perfect, but we desire to be like him. We, we strive to, to be like him. As Colin Cruz in his commentary in 1 John points out a number of things about, about this, he, he reminds us that Jesus was sent as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, we are sinners and we continue to sin, but Jesus' death is the atoning sacrifice which, in which we receive forgiveness as we're told in, as he reminds us, we're told in in chapter 1 and verse 7, it is his blood which purifies us from all sin. The sin we have committed, and the sin we will commit. But also in chapter 1 and verse 9, Jesus here makes forgiveness possible through his death. And in chapter 2 and verse 12, we're also reminded our sin is forgiven. Yeah, we stop sinning, but and the reality is that our sin is forgiven. We are given this new life and new birth. Our sin is forgiven, and so therefore we want to, to walk away from that. We want to stay away from sin, the thing that, that put Christ on the cross. And In coming into this world, John goes on to tell us, Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil not only did he come to deal with our sin but he came to destroy the works of the devil and again that should make us want to avoid sin because the devil is the one who wants us and and seeks to cause us to sin again Colin Cruz in his commentary points out that these false teachers they make no claim to be in Christ but that they know God in First John, they, they deny that Jesus is the Messiah. They, de- they deny that the Messiah had come in the flesh. And they believe that Jesus' death was not real nor victorious. They were against Christ. And so we're able to conclude from that, that's why they are able to continue to live the way they, they do without any accountability other than to themselves. They continue to sin, and therefore John says they cannot be born of God. But then John says, don't let anybody deceive you in this. Don't let these false teachers, don't let these people tell you that it's okay to sin. It's okay to just live whatever way you want, as long as you know God. Because he makes the, John makes the point again, Jesus had no sin, and he came to take away our sin. Therefore, if we claim to be in him or to be born of him, we should not be continuing in sin. That's in a lifestyle of sin. Yeah, there are times where we will fall short, we will let Jesus down, but that's not what that's referring to here. We should be seeking to be like Jesus. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in them. I think that's brilliant because this seed is the Holy Spirit. We are born of the Holy Spirit. Our new birth comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. So keeping on sinning, therefore, tells us that we don't know Jesus or that the work of the Spirit is not happening in our lives. There's no relationship with him. John says by our attitude to practicing righteousness, that we know whether our father is God or the devil. And so being born of God, this new birth, new life, makes a difference in how we live. Following Jesus means living by what he says is right. It means being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and his prompting. And it means putting to death the sinful self which I remember somebody using an illustration of a cuckoo. A cuckoo cries out for food. And whenever the, the parent provides the food, it still cries out for more. You can never satisfy. It just keeps crying, a bit like the sinful self. It just keeps crying out for more and more. The lifestyle test. But then we come to the love test. How do you know someone loves you Well, by their actions, isn't it? We can tell very often how people react to us by how they deal with us. The test of love also proves that we are born of, of God. And it's one which has been there from the beginning in Genesis and the law. But John here is telling us in our relationships, don't, don't be like Cain because Cain was jealous and he was faithless. He was comparing himself unfavorably spiritually with his brother and he couldn't live with the result. It led him to unchecked hatred for his brother. Hatred's source is the devil. It has nothing to do with God. Hatred treats people horribly and is like murder. It makes people want to kill others, to manipulate, to judge, to abuse, to humiliate. Our attitude and actions towards our our brothers and sisters in Christ is a test of whether or not we have been born of God. We know and have experienced love because Jesus laid down his life for us so that we might be born again. He died at at the mercy of a hating mob, I suppose similar to Cain's hatred his brother. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. John gives us a very practical outworking of, of this for our lives. He says, if anybody has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need and yet closes his heart, how does God's love abide in that person? That's a pretty searching question that John asks us. Because this love test, our love will involve time to engage with people, time to listen, time to empathize, to show compassion, to make sacrifices, and show commitment. Isn't that the reality of the love that Jesus has shown to us? It is good to give each other words of encouragement and support. They are helpful. But what also about the agape love which Jesus has demonstrated to us that we're called to show to others, this self-sacrificing love which Jesus has shown to us? John's telling us, actually, that's how we reassure our hearts that we belong to Jesus, especially whenever our hearts question us as to whether we're truly following Jesus or not. Loving our brothers and sisters also means here that God will hear and answer our prayers. It is true that the body of Christ should be the most loving, welcoming, and accepting place in the world. How we treat our brothers and sisters Reflects how we've been treated by God. I found such a welcome as vacancy convener in Money. and the love that I've experienced for many people here has been tremendous, so encouraging. Our love for others should prove that we are born of God, that His seed is in us, and that it's producing love unlimited. Jesus always said that if we love him, we will show that love by keeping his commandments. And John points out two commandments which we've been given at the end of this section. He says the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That we believe what John is telling us about Jesus. That he is that atoning sacrifice. That he is that love of God lavished on us so that we can call ourselves children of God. And also that we love one another just as he has commanded us. Just in the way that he loves us. The way that he loved other people. The people that he met. Even those who, who didn't like him. Those who were difficult to love, those whose circumstances were difficult, and yet Jesus comes alongside them and he provides and he loves. In fulfilling these commandments, we are abiding in God and He is abiding in us. What an encouragement. This is our confidence as we await that day whenever Jesus will return that John mentions at the very start of the passage. Our confidence is that we abide in him and he abides in us. That's our hope. That's our privilege. That's our responsibility. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and for the encouragement that you give to us in it. We thank you for the love which undergirds everything that you say to us. Father, we ask that you would help us to continue to abide in Christ, to keep noticing what you're doing in our lives, what you have done and who you are. Father, help us that we might continue with that desire as your spirit lives in us to stop sinning, to continue to desire to be like Jesus every step of the way. And so too that we might be able to reflect the love that you've shown to us, to others. That they might be able to experience your love even through us in the way that we deal with people. And the way that we show that agape, that self-sacrificing love of yours to others as your Holy Spirit fills us. So we ask that you would hear our prayers in Jesus' name, amen.